The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 18th of October here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up today... Hundreds are killed in a Gaza hospital explosion as Israel and Hamas trade blame. Biden's summit with Middle East leaders in Jordan is cancelled as he heads to Israel. And in other news, China's growth beats forecasts as consumer spending improves. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. At least 500 people are reported to have been killed in an explosion at a Gaza City hospital. Officials in the Hamas-run territory have blamed an Israeli airstrike for the blast. However, Israel says that the hospital was hit in an attempted missile strike by a Gaza-based militant group. Mark Regev is a senior advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. We don't believe it's us. All the evidence seems to indicate that this was a rocket fired by Islamic Jihad, that's Hamas's younger brother. We do not target hospitals. Let's be clear, Israel does not target hospitals. Regev and the Israeli military say that in past conflicts, around 20% of rockets launched by Gaza militants misfire and land within their own territory. Mahmoud Abbas, president of the Palestinian Authority, which controls the West Bank, is clear on where he believes the blame for the hospital blast lies. What happened tonight is a great tragedy and a horrifying war massacre that cannot be ignored or allowed to pass without accountability. This aggression against our people must stop. And these crimes must come to an end. Abbas, speaking through a translator, says that the explosion means that today's planned summit between the Palestinian Authority, President Biden and the leaders of Jordan and Egypt has now been cancelled. The deadly explosion at the Al-Ali Arabi Baptist Hospital is casting a long shadow over President Joe Biden's dramatic wartime visit to Israel today. The decision by Arab leaders to cancel that planned summit in Jordan means that the US leader will also no longer visit the country. The former US ambassador to Israel, Daniel Kurtzer, says that the events will complicate efforts to contain a conflict that now threatens to engulf the region. Here's what he told Bloomberg's Balance of Power. Preparing for this trip now, you have the backdrop of a horrific uh, event at the hospital in Gaza, a hospital I know well from having been there years ago. You know, the trading of blame doesn't change the fact that uh, hundreds of people have been killed and the president will be landing in the midst of an escalation in the humanitarian disaster, which does change the narrative. So it's going to be a much more challenging uh, trip than even it was before uh, this event. 
Daniel Kurtz's comments come as Biden said that he was, quote, outraged and deeply saddened by the explosion. Even before the hospital tragedy, the U.S. had been pressing Israel to do more to limit civilian casualties in Hamas-controlled Gaza. Israel has vowed to obliterate the group after its attacks on the 7th of October killed 1,300 Israelis. Since then, Israeli airstrikes have reportedly killed more than 3,000 Gazans. Now, in other news this morning, China's economic growth beat estimates in the third quarter as consumer spending picked up. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. China's GDP increased 4.9% from a year ago, stronger than the estimate of 4.5%. The government stepped up support and consumer spending picked up. Retail sales jumped 5.5% in September. That was a sizable beat. Industrial production up 4.5% year-on-year, slightly better than expected. But property investment was down more than 9%, and that was worse than thought. Officials won't be satisfied, and more stimulus is on the way, including more spending on infrastructure. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. Now to earnings news. Goldman suffered its eighth consecutive quarterly drop in profit as its CEO attempts to revive the bank's fortunes. Despite profit coming a third lower than last year's third quarter, CEO David Solomon told analysts he's never been more optimistic about the bank. I've never felt more optimistic about the firm and our strategy has never been more clear. Though regulatory uncertainty and geopolitical risks remain top of mind, I feel very confident about the state of our client franchise and the long-term opportunities for Goldman Sachs. Solomon has come under fire internally for his failed foray into consumer banking. Shares in Goldman fell by 1.8% after the earnings. The bank has seen its stock fall by 25% since its record high in late 2021. Meanwhile, Bank of America reported its best third quarter results in more than a decade. The second largest U.S. bank saw profits jump by 10 percent to $7.8 billion. CEO Brian Moynihan has told Bloomberg that he sees the Fed achieving its goal of slowing consumer spending. Frankly, the Fed has won the battle with the American consumer and, just, and they're slowing down. And then the question is, what happens next, I can't predict, but this, this is a $4 trillion base, three to $400 billion a month. So think about it. It's hard to move around a lot. So once it slows this level, it's probably not going to kick right back up. Moynihan added that more affluent customers are now shifting excess savings to products with higher yields. Bank of America joins J.P. Morgan and Citi in reporting record beats while warning of tough times to come. NVIDIA's stock slumped after the Biden administration stepped up efforts to keep advanced chips out of China. Shares in the chip giant saw the largest single-day drop in two months after the US announced new export restrictions. The tighter controls will target NVIDIA's A800 and H800 chips, which were designed specifically for the Chinese market. HSBC is blocking bankers from texting on their work phones. It's the latest move by a major lender to curb unauthorised communication methods after a wave of industry-wide fines. Mark Daniel Davies reports now. First it was WhatsApp and now HSBC is clamping down on texts. People familiar with the matter told Bloomberg that the lender is in the process of banning the SMS function on company-issued devices for the vast majority of staff. 
The move comes as watchdogs crack down on how bankers share and store information. That's after high-profile cases of market manipulation at some of Wall Street's biggest banks. HSBC earlier this year agreed to pay tens of millions of dollars in settlements to US regulators over failure to monitor communications on unauthorized channels like WhatsApp. Overall, firms including Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Barclays and Citigroup have agreed to pay more than $2.5 billion for violating record-keeping rules. In London, Mark Daniel Davies, Bloomberg Radio. Now let's turn back to our top story today. An explosion at a Gaza hospital uh, that has left hundreds dead means that President Biden's visit to the Middle East is unravelling before he even touches down. The leaders of Jordan, Egypt and the Palestinian Authority have cancelled a summit with Biden that had been scheduled in Amman. Joining me now is Bloomberg's Israel Bureau Chief, Ethan Bronner. Ethan, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. The hospital bombing blast explosion is a terrible loss of life but do we know who caused it well it's it's hard to say that we know the israeli military has just released a videotape showing the before and after of the hospital and where they say uh, a rocket was a, a failed rocket launch occurred from islamic jihad i mean uh, i think it's very very likely that the israeli military is telling the truth here uh, and that they didn't bomb the hospital. I don't know that that's going to make any difference in how the region views what happened, however. Okay. What does that mean then for President Biden, for U.S. support? I mean, we're anticipating in a few hours that President Biden will, will touch down in Israel. Indeed, he's due here in two hours. Uh, it means that, of course, as you said, his uh, summit with uh, Arab leaders um, in Amman was cancelled, uh, and it means that there is a growing... Uh, alienation to the United States and Israel uh, in in the region, and it means that um, you know the 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 sort of sense of that that there's kind of an Israeli American narrative, and then there's uh, the rest of the regions is increasing, and the gap mm. is very dangerous because it means there could be a, a widening war heading toward Hezbollah. What has Israel said about Hamas and a ground offensive? Then again, as as the narrative, as the as the view, perhaps is is changing and shifting. What is Israel's view? It has not shifted its own view of the significance of what happened on October seventh and the existential risk that it poses to Israel. The sense that uh, Israelis cannot live under a threat of such. Um, uh, abuse uh, and slaughter, uh, and they say we still have to go in and take out Hamas. Uh, the Americans, of course, and I think Europeans are urging uh, some caution uh, and some restraint, but they're not uh, conditioning aid on those things, and the Israelis uh, feel that they're going to go in as ever. At least that's the appearance right now. Okay. Um, you, you talked about, you know, the difference, the, the fissure in terms of the perspective within the region. The Jordanian yes. king has said that the whole region is at the brink of falling into the abyss. That was his word. Uh, there yes. has uh, been, uh, there have been anti-Israeli protests in cities in the region, more attacks, as you mentioned, from Hezbollah in the north into Israel. What are the risks then of another front of a widening conflict now? The, the risks are enormous. I think that the uh, Hezbollah has been uh, 
well stocked with between 100 and 150,000 missiles <clears throat> and rockets, some of them uh, GPS guided to reach Tel Aviv. And I think that um, uh, if things get terrible or more terrible, shall we say, in Gaza, that the risk of the Hezbollah entering this conflict is great. Now, the Americans have sent two aircraft carriers and fleets to uh, to discourage them. I don't know if it's going to do the trick. The Americans seem to be saying that if the if Hezbollah enters the fray, that the Americans will fight on the side of Israel. We shall see. What is happening then in Gaza now for civilians? Uh, they're uh, being asked again by the Israelis to move south uh, to a particular area where they say humanitarian aid uh, will be provided. Um, that's not a very big place. Um, people who know the region say that it's hard to imagine one to two million people fitting into where they're being asked to go. And the bombings are pretty intense all, all over. So there's a sense that uh, it doesn't make a difference whether you're in the north or the south. At least that's what I'm being told by people on the ground. So it's pretty chaotic and pretty terrible. Ethan, this, as you say, it's a terrible moment. It must be incredibly difficult to live this and also to report on this. You know, um, a perspective at this point as you're anticipating President Biden arriving. What is the sense, the feeling where you are about what is happening in you know, a wartime Israel? I think there's a deeply a funereal sense, a sense that um, things that had been uh, understood and agreed are no longer uh, accepted and agreed, uh, that um, that there's a sense of vulnerability in Israel, that uh, its, um, <clears throat> its neighbors hate it more than it understood or believed. Uh, and um, at the same time, I have to say there remains a deep resolve uh, in Israel to take on uh, Hamas, to take on its enemies, and to say, listen, we're not going anywhere. Uh, if we have to fight and lose a whole bunch of people to prove that we're not going anywhere, we're ready. Ethan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Bloomberg's Israel Bureau Chief, Ethan Bronner. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now, the Israel-Hamas war is also playing out across Europe, which has struggled to find a common response to the Middle East crisis. Germany's Olaf Scholz, remember, visited Israel on Tuesday. He stood with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu when Netanyahu talked about Hamas committing, quote, the worst crimes committed against Jews since the Holocaust. 
So joining us now is our Bloomberg Europe correspondent, Maria Tadeo. Good morning, Maria. There was an emergency call and also a press conference yesterday of European leaders. What emerged from that, Maria? Yes, and I think we should note, uh, however, when uh, Olaf Scholz, but even the European leadership uh, yesterday in this uh, call and, and then the press conference uh, that took place late, uh, I believe it was around 8.30 p.m. Uh, local time, they weren't really informed about this hit uh, on the hospital and the many casualties uh, that it has left uh, behind. So obviously this could be a game changer and I would really... Uh, stress comments that were made prior probably uh, do not reflect the thinking now or at least uh, definitely not the, the, the many elements uh, that the European leadership is is looking at. There was this mm. call, obviously the idea was to uh, reiterate and coordinate uh, the European response. Obviously uh, what emerged out of it is what has been the European line until now which is um, stand with Israel. Israel was hit by a terror group as unjustified. Uh, there's no ifs or buts about it but then also this idea that there is a very serious humanitarian crisis that's probably been aggravated and that that requires a level of political consensus how to deal with this and de-escalate but I would also stress the timing the meeting, the timing of the press conference and probably even that trip uh, from Schultz obviously a lot of that has changed in light of what happened. It was all happening at the same time. And, and I think uh, the minds of the European leadership this morning are probably on a different uh, headspace than they were yesterday evening before they knew about this. Yeah, indeed. Okay, that's a, a point worth making. I mean, foreign policy in the past has been something of an Achilles heel. I mean, perhaps simply a function that Europe is so many different countries. The initial response has been quite different from different countries. Um, what are the leaders now, do you think, going to be thinking about? What are they going to be doing on EU aid to Palestinians, on the freeing of hostages, on those sort of more specific issues? Do we have any clues about what may emerge now, perhaps from, um, you know, after the initial response from Look, EU Look, uh, what we have now, and this is a lot of the reaction, which I believe will probably uh, go in crescendo today, and, and we're going to hear more about this, is uh, already the head of the European Commissioner Ursula von der Leyen, who has taken a lot of that criticism in terms of the European position in this crisis. Remember, she went to Israel on the Friday and again repeated, uh, perhaps some say seeing this from a very German perspective too, in which uh, the country feels it, it has a moral duty to, uh, because of history, to be a strong ally uh, to Israel and to really uh, just give this idea that uh, no matter what, uh, Germany will support uh, the state of uh, Israel and the Israeli people uh, in the circumstances of uh, the statehood and, and, and its future and, and making sure that it is there for, for Israeli people. Uh, but she has put out a, a tweet saying that she is um, was saddened by this uh, strike, repeating there is no excuse for hitting uh, hospitals, especially not uh, when it is known that they are full of uh, civilians and staff and people that are being treated. And she also says uh, all of the facts will have to be established and whoever is responsible for this will have to be held 
accountable. We see uh, a similar reaction from Emmanuel Macron this morning, who's also repeating the humanitarian corridor has to be opened uh, as soon as possible. So obviously you see some of the language there uh, is changing. As you see, however, European foreign policy is always complicated because you're reflecting the domestic audience of 27 different countries. You're reflecting uh, views of the world uh, that are different. Uh, the European Council is supposed to bring all of this together. And I think that's why we had that um, conference call yesterday to really establish a joint uh, position. But you also have to think about the dynamics that play out in Brussels. We know that there is fierce competition between uh, the different institutions, the council, the foreign office, the the commission, all of this personal dynamics to, it's not a secret that there is tension between the head of the European Commission, von der Leyen, and the head of the council, Michel. There's a lot of questions about the operational uh, relationship that they have. So all of this is coming um, to the surface at a point in which obviously the region is now at boiling point. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.